Welcome one and all to episode 133 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, uh, well, I mean, we had one kind of point of clarification in the Big Ten so far. We have maybe a surprise ACC contender. And I think you and I nailed our Heisman favorite pick. But how are you doing, man? Doing good. We survived Halloween. Um, there's tons of candy in my house that will last until Easter, which at which point my kids will get another massive shipment of candy from their grandparents. So um, we're just going to you know, chip away at that. I'll help a little bit. I'll sneak a little bit here and there. But um, for the most part, I'm, I'm way too old to eat that kind of thing. So um, it's just going to be sitting in a giant bowl, taking up space in my cabinet. So you talked about the uh, Big Ten game. You know, we're going to talk about the top five. And that had, we, we said last week, the Big Ten's going to sort itself out. Michigan, Michigan State, of course, occurred last weekend. And, and Michigan State pulled out the win. Um, it seems like they do that more often than not these days in the Harbaugh era. So he can't beat his in-state rival or his out-of-state rival, Ohio State. But that's neither here nor there. Georgia's still number one, right? And then it's a pick for number two. We've been going with Oklahoma because they're power five, uh, even though they don't look that convincing. Um, Cincinnati, we have it at three. They just beat Tulane, which is a common opponent they share with Oklahoma. We talked about that. Oklahoma only beat Tulane by five points. So, um, And then we have Michigan State at four now. Because Michigan had had been our number four team, now Michigan State undefeated. They're our number four team, and they don't play Ohio State now. For there's two games now between Michigan State and Ohio State facing each other, so a lot can happen in that in that stretch. But it looks like they're on a collision course, maybe to face each other, with Michigan State still undefeated. Yeah, and that'll be a fun game, right? I mean, at least that'll give us a good late season or later season game to look forward to that's got a lot of implications and i mean can't cause any controversy or anything in the in the playoff considerations right right not possible i mean the playoff uh rankings that that are going to come out probably later in the day after we put post this show um that i I don't really know what to expect you know i i think what we're going to see is is georgia oklahoma Cincinnati, Alabama, as the top four. Um, the polls were a little were, were kind of funky, where uh, I actually think they have Alabama over Oklahoma, maybe in the AP poll. But uh, and then Ohio State stayed at or Ohio State got jumped in the polls despite winning against Penn State. So for us, like number five kind of toss up, is it Ohio State, is it Alabama? Or should we put Wake Forest in here? They're still undefeated and they're coming from a power five conference. Um, is this is this Wake Forest situation ever gonna sort itself out or is Wake going to to really creep in and cause some chaos? I still think the pollsters have them kind of kind of low in a position where they're not going to be able to challenge these one-loss teams. Well, and it doesn't help. I mean, we're not going to spend too much time on Wake Forest, but it doesn't help that even if they went out, UNC, NC State, 
Clemson and Boston College all kind of crapped the bed, right? Like, it's not like any of those wins now are impressive. Uh, you know, UNC's not ranked uh, at this juncture. They are, what are they now? They're 4-4. Four uh, four. We'll talk about them yeah. um, more on the Patreon show this week. Clemson's five and three. Boston College is four and four. Like none of these wins matter, man. And and that's just unfortunate for Wake Forest that they happen. And and the weird thing is it hasn't even coincided at this point where Wake Forest is eight and zero. Because you look at the back half of their schedule and you see UNC, NC State, Clemson, Boston College, you're like, that's a that's a strong finish, and it still may play out where, you know, you Wake Forest ends up you know ten and two and they lose two of these games, um, but it's just unfortunate that in a season when Wake Forest is actually good, that that the rest of the ACC, including two top what eight teams coming into the year top seven maybe uh north carolina and clemson aren't even top 25 programs right now yeah but a counterpoint to that would be cincinnati who the ap pollsters still have number two uh we said their tough games were going to be at indiana at notre dame well notre dame still seems like a good win but indiana certainly doesn't anymore um indiana got got thrashed by ohio state two weeks ago and then they got beat by maryland they're winless in the Big Ten this year. They're, you know, granted they're down to their third string quarterback, but now Cincinnati's resume starts to look kind of weak. Um, Of the remaining schedule, it looks like Ohio State has the toughest road when they they have to play Michigan and Michigan State. Uh, But Oklahoma doesn't have a a breeze either. I think they still have to play Iowa State and Oklahoma State. So uh, we might say Alabama has a tough road, but they're playing – LSU and they're heavily favored in that game for a change so then they have you know later on they'll have the Iron Bowl which is always I guess one of those things where you say you throw the record out the window because it's a rivalry game and we've seen strange things happen in that rivalry but um, yeah I I wonder how the the committee's going to look at it because if you're really looking at the uh, resume of the records and major conference aspect of it then at some point, Alabama and Ohio State probably jump Cincinnati in in the minds of these playoff committee people. So I still think Cincinnati has a good shot at getting into the playoff this year. Um, but they need Oklahoma to lose, I think. They need Oklahoma to lose or they need um, – and I know you don't want to hear this, but or Michigan State to win out. Because if right. Michigan I mean, State that, – That could work, yeah. Because that's the thing is, you know, Bama and Ohio State, theoretically as conference winners, are locks over, you know, unless they're unless they're a two-loss, you know, conference winner, they're, they're locks. Um, and that would mean Georgia has one loss, and I just don't see how you don't put Georgia in if they only lose to Bama in the SEC championship game. Right. So, yeah, so, like, Basically, Oklahoma needs to lose, or or uh, Ohio State needs to lose, or Georgia has to beat Alabama in the SEC title game to walk. You know, to to feel really comfortable for Cincinnati. Let's go. You and know, let's not forget. Uh, by the way, let's not forget about Oregon. Their only losses to Stanford, and they have a win over Ohio State on the road. 
at in Columbus. So yeah, they're they're sitting at seven right now, and uh, they're still is a chance that we could see a pack ten a pack twelve team in in here. But some things need to happen. But you know, we'll see. We'll talk about it more next week. I'm sure once the playoff rankings come out, and we'll have seen how next week's games go and how that might affect it. But uh, we're we're past the halfway point. We're in crunch time now. You and I talked about our Heisman kind of favorites uh, coming out of a couple weeks ago, and we didn't talk to each other beforehand, and we still had the same top contender. And all he did was, in the biggest game of the season, was go for 197 yards and five touchdowns in a, in a win over Michigan. Um, Kenneth Walker now has just under 1,200 yards and 15 total touchdowns. He's averaging just below seven yards per carry. Um, a loss to Ohio State, if they play well, if it's a close game, probably doesn't hurt him. A loss anywhere else might be too much for him to overcome unless it's a loss where he puts up over you know 150 yards and three touchdowns, right? Yeah, I think a loss... A team loss for a running back in a season like this where there isn't, you know, a clear-cut standout. There are a lot of solid candidates, but nobody has really, like, stood out to this point. A lot, a team loss for a running back is not going to be as big of a deal as it's going to be for a quarterback. So the quarterbacks that, that are still in the running, they can't lose. But with Walker, you know, he leads the nation almost 150 yards per game. You know, he's second in total yards behind Syracuse running back Sean Tucker, but he's played one extra game. So Walker looks like the clear-cut leader to me in terms of of, uh, Heisman candidates, and he only strengthened his case. Five touchdowns was a career high, 197 yards, almost hit 200 again. And uh, like you said, almost seven yards of carry, 6.8. That's extremely good. A lot of people are comparing him to Kareem Hunt, and I think he's in the conversation as, as one of the top three running backs in this draft. You, you talk about Spiller uh, out of Texas A&M, Brees Hall out of Iowa State, and Kenneth Walker, the third, are your, those are your top three backs. So figure out the order. I think some draft Knicks are going to start to put Walker into that number one, number two spot. I'm not ready to, to go there yet, but he's really good. And uh, Michigan's no slouch on D. So his main competition, as far as I was concerned, coming into this weekend, because we had already seen uh, Corral get banged up a little bit. Uh, So I thought the main competition for Kenneth Walker was Kenny Pickett, another Kenny. And he went and threw for over 500 yards. So how does his Heisman candidacy take a hit? Well, they take a loss to Miami. And pick at those two interceptions, including one in uh, at, toward the end of the game when Pitt had a chance to drive and take the lead. So that interception proves costly. Some people were blaming the receiver for a miscommunication. Other people thought it was Pickett's fault. But regardless, it's two picks. He, he went from having only one on the season. Now he has three. Um, but the bigger issue is Pitt is already down with two L's and probably has no shot to win the ACC anymore. Yeah, and for a guy like Pickett, he comes in at a disadvantage from the start. You know, we kind of talked about it before when we discussed, you know, 
the the playoff teams. And and if you're not a guy that is on a team that's competing, then you have to put up otherworldly numbers. And it's not that Pickett's numbers are bad by any means. Um, they're no, just, they're they're actually really good. Right, but they're not they're not um, what we've seen from. Heisman winners in the last couple of years, which is one unfair because like, some of those Heisman numbers from uh, Joe Burrow and, and Kyler Murray were obscene, but he also plays on a two loss ACC team. That's not going to compete for a, uh, for a playoff spot. And that's, you know, it's tough, man. Like I, I hate that guys get eliminated because they don't play on good enough teams when it is an individual award. But at the same time, when you look at it, I mean, I know that the loss to Western Western Michigan was, was a close one, but I mean, Western Michigan has not been, has not been great this year. Um, and then, you know, they're five and three, they're, they're tied for last at the Mac West, man. I mean, that's a that's a tough loss for them, and then you know, like you said, this week against Miami, um, who, by the way, Michigan State went on the road and beat. So yeah. they've got you know, there's a common opponent between Walker and, and Pickett there. And, and that's the thing is like Pickett's numbers look great, and, and I don't want to downplay what he's doing and and where he's doing it, but you've got to. I mean, it was kind of what we talked about with Malik Willis, right? Like you've got to be nearly perfect coming in under the radar like that to to have a shot at the Heisman. And, you know, when you look at, obviously, Walker, like we discussed, and then you look at some of the other names, Travion Henderson um, and C.J. Shroud at o- Ohio State, and then, of course, Bryce Young, who's playing out of his mind right now. Um, and those three guys are on playoff teams – it it might end up letting Pickett finish like third or fourth because maybe like Stroud and Henderson split some votes in the Ohio Ohio State camp, but it, it's going to be really tough for him to to overcome um, two losses and and like you said, not that he played poorly, but the timing of of his of his interceptions and turnovers was was unfortunate for him. Right, and and uh, you know, very good point that Henderson and Stroud are likely to split votes. Um, also, I think worth noting that neither Bryce Young nor C.J. Stroud runs a lot, and we've seen that quarterbacks that have won it recently have a good bit of of running production. And Pickett actually uh, tops those guys in in the running production department. So you could see a, a situation where Pickett finishes, like you said, third or fourth. And I think with Henderson, Stroud, Bryce Young, you you have three good candidates there, but none of the three has really had the Heisman moment that Kenneth Walker had this past weekend, winning, uh, leading his team to a win in a rivalry game with a five-touchdown performance. If Henderson, Stroud, or Young puts up that kind of performance in a rivalry game where they are kind of carrying their team, then that's going to be that could be the difference. So right now Pickett, who has been carrying Pitt, just can't carry him far enough. And uh, 
I think he's he's out of it as far as will he win? I don't think so, but he I think he still could end up being a top five guy and being in in New York for that presentation. So uh, we had an unfortunate circumstance in uh, Drake London, the wide receiver who was our third ranked wide receiver when we came out with our preliminary rankings earlier in the season. Uh, USC receiver broke his ankle the other day. He was carted off. He is out for the season and probably done with his college career. 88 catches, 1,084 yards, and seven touchdowns this season in eight games. That's ridiculous. Great production. Uh, he was having a great season. I think he's still a fantastic prospect. Does the injury hurt his stock, Seth? It shouldn't. Um, overall, in a season like this where he had such uneven quarterback play and he still was able to put up those numbers in eight games, like that's absurd. Um you know, we've talked about him. He's the Mike Evans of this draft, right? And and so the question becomes, does he come out and play, um, you know, to that, or does he come out and test to that um, ability? Is he going to be healthy enough to test? You would, you would assume based on, on when and, you know, what we know of his injury thus far, he'll be fine. But you never know, right? Like, <laughs> I kind of think he won't test. I, I kind of, I kind of think that's kind of the trend where you've seen a guy with an injury. He's not gonna, he, he's he's gonna be highly rated. So I don't think he's gonna have to push himself to really go out there and and run a forty, do a vertical jump. Might do. He might get to the point where he's healthy enough to run some position drills, and I think that would be nice and comforting to a team. But it's a good thing a fracture is a better injury than, than one with ligament damage. As far as we know, there wasn't uh, any extreme like ligament damage to his ankle with this fracture. We could learn more. It could be more severe, but it, I don't believe it was anything like a Laquan Treadwell type of ankle injury that we saw. Um, and we saw Jalen Waddell injure his ankle last season, push himself to come back, play in the, bowl, in the national championship game, still looked very uh, unhealthy, and then uh, still get drafted sixth overall. So I think Drake London, to answer my own question, I don't think this affects his stock. I think he'll go somewhere in the top 15 to 20 picks. There's becoming a question, and I don't know if I don't know if I am buying into um, the other name, but. There's becoming a question if there are two elite pass rushing prospects at Michigan now. Um, Aiden Hutchinson, we've discussed on here, the 6'6", 265. Hutchinson's got six sacks, seven and a half tackles for loss, uh, one forced fumble, and two pass breakups. Per Bruce Feldman, he was a 4-6-40 guy, uh, 36-vertical jump, and a 6-5-4-3 cone, which, you know, absurd numbers. Um, But he's being pushed and sometimes over, not overshadowed, but playing in the shadow of his teammate, uh, David Ojabo. And Ojabo and Hutchinson are basically the same age. They're both born in 2000, so... Yep, this is the year of the 2000 draft picks. This is going to get 
crazy from here on out, right? Uh, but everybody that's listening is older than these guys at this point, I think. <laughs> but uh, he's got seven sacks, three forced fumble, and three pass breakups. Numbers on him aren't as clear, but uh, he was a four seven five forty guy out of high school. Put on about 20 pounds. He did that at 233. He's listed now at 6'5", 250. So a little leaner, a little more linear prospect. Um, can you, first off, compare them as as pass rusher prospects? Or do they, do they give you kind of different vibes as players? I think you can compare them and they give you different vibes, right? Like... Um... Hutchinson obviously has more of the prototype size because he's almost 270, you know, and at some point in the draft process, it'll be interesting. Like he's, he's got the size more like a miles Garrett, not comparing them as prospects or anything, but he's, he's got more of that size. Whereas Ajabo is that lighter, you know, edge kind of like a Yannick Ngakwe build. But, uh, you know, I think Ojabo, 6'5", 250, if he's really that tall, that's really good length. A lot of times what we see with the 250 guys is they'll be shorter, 6'3", 6'4". And um, the other thing is, you, you look at who Michigan produced last year, Quiddy Pay. He went in the, to the Indianapolis Colts around the 20th pick, 21st pick, somewhere in there. And he was 6'2", and about 260-something. He didn't have the length of these guys. So that was one of the knocks that we had on pay. It was one of the reasons why we were maybe not as high on him as a lot of other draft Knicks were heading into the 2021 draft. So, well, I think to answer your question is you've got uh, two different flavors, but you've got two guys that are doing the damage, you know, the same kind of damage disrupting the passer six and a half sacks for Hutchinson. That's a career high. Seven sacks for Ajabu, easily a career high already. By the way, seven sacks, more than Quiddy Pay ever had in any full season at Michigan. And that's, I mean, throw the COVID season out. He had six and a half in his best season, and that was a full season, 12 or 13 games. So Ajabu, uh, one of the things that you, you can't help but notice is how explosive he is and how hard he hits without it causing any kind of roughing penalties he is separating the quarterback from the ball and uh he's finishing better than quitty pay ever did if quitty pays a first round pick david ajabo is easily going to be a first round pick as well so what i think you're going to have is two michigan defensive ends getting picked very highly if ajabo decides to declare this week we get the return of maction early in the week man like Super early in the week. Um, when you look at these Wednesday and Thursday games, or sorry, these Tuesday and Wednesday games, uh, what are your what's your opinion on on these Maction and what's your opinion on the early week games? Is it just fun to have football all during the week? Because they these games are kind of crazy and absurd. I think that's it. You know. For the whole season up until November, we don't get football on Tuesdays and Wednesdays typically. Maybe a game here or there on a Wednesday, but no Tuesdays. So now reliably throughout the month of November, we're going to have Tuesday and Wednesday games. Um, for someone like me who lives in the Midwest and uh, 
you know, my my wife went to uh, a Mac school. She's an, an Ohio U alum. So I've been around these teams, the Ohio U, Miami, Ohio, Bowling Green, tons of teams from Ohio where I grew up and, and lived for a very, very long time. So I have some some passing interest in these. As far as draft evaluation, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think at this stage in, in our career, Seth, that we dig so deep like we used to, to where we're going to tell you, like, watch the left tackle for this team or the right guard or the, you know, cornerback for these MAC teams. You, you can rest assured if there were any, like, top 50, top 100 type of prospects, we'd be talking about them. But, um, I need to at least do some more research, but I don't think there's really anyone like that that we're talking about, except for maybe Caleb Ellaby, who we mentioned on the show a couple of weeks ago. So for me, it's the novelty of the weekday football. And also, I would say personally, that kind of wanes after the first week where I'm not like going to be that interested in action next week or the week after. Sorry to say. So there's the there. I mean, there's a huge slate of games tomorrow, or we're recording this one on a Monday night. So Tuesday, November second, Ball State at Akron, Miami of Ohio at Ohio. I mean, that one's a barn. Well, you just look at the records. I mean, Ball State's four and four, Akron's two and six, Miami of Ohio's four and four, Ohio's one and seven, and then you have Eastern Michigan at Toledo, five and three, Eastern Michigan at four and four, Toledo. Wednesday, another full slate. Uh, or sorry, just two games. Sorry, just two games competing with the World Series, right? Uh, Central Michigan four and four at Western Michigan five and three. We talked about Western Michigan, you know, earlier. Yeah, watch Caleb Elby. Um, and then Northern Illinois, who's probably the best MAC team, six and two at Kent State four and four. This is a that's a big MAC matchup though. Four and zero, oh, um, Northern Illinois at three and one. Uh, Kent State, so that's going to be a big, you know, MAC game with a lot of um, implications for the MAC. Thursday, I, I though, we'll check out the Ohio U Miami game because that's a rivalry game, and because I can probably talk uh, my wife into watching, you know, ten minutes of it. Yeah, so I'll probably check that out. And then, but Thursday we have a a top twenty five well team playing as. The Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns take on and host Georgia State. Louisiana is 5-0 and in the Sun Belt, 7-1 and on the season. That lone loss, the opener at Texas, right? Like, yeah. That's that's their mark on the season. Now, I mean. But it took them until now to get back into the top 25. And and to be fair, that part of that is they haven't played anybody else. They, and, and it's not their fault. They, you know, they scheduled Texas and they lost. And. They didn't lose close, and that's that's tough. They get it Georgia would have helped State. if uh, Texas was was doing well. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and then you know now they get Georgia State. Uh, Louisiana is only getting twelve in this game, and and I, I mean not to break down Louisiana too much, but over the last couple um, of weeks they've they've had about a close game every other game. You know, they've they lost to Texas. They only beat Nickel State 27-24. Um, two weeks later, they only beat um, Georgia Southern 
28-20. The next week, they only beat South Alabama 20-18. Two weeks later, they only beat Arkansas State 28-27. I mean, they're they're winning football games, and they've got some, you know, blowouts sprinkled in. Uh, 41-13 over mighty Appalachian State that we know knocked off Coastal Carolina. Um, and then last, last week, they beat Texas, poor Texas State 45-0. Uh, but... You just feel like Georgia State's a a better team than than Texas State, but I don't feel like twelve points is enough, man. Like I don't know why. I just you would think with how well uh, they're playing that that Louisiana would get a little bit more respect. But like you said, it took them until this week to get back into the top twenty five. Um, I'm gonna take them to win and cover thirty five twenty one. And I think it took them a while to get back in to the top 25 because there are other teams that are um, – And we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about – there's uh, UTSA is, is – uh, I, I guess they're not Sunbelt team, right? But they're uh, 16th. They're undefeated. Um, you know, you have to fit in these other teams that you don't really believe in but that they're undefeated. They have to go over those one-loss teams and – and so, uh, yeah, Rage and Cajuns, I'm glad to see them back in the top 25, and I do agree with you. They're going to cover and win that game. Check out their running back, Chris Smith. He's been on fire lately. Uh, he had over 200 yards rushing a couple weeks ago for them on another weekday game. So check out Chris Smith. He's a redshirt sophomore. He's about 5'9", 195-ish, somewhere in that. And he's also a dynamic kick returner. Um Lastly, uh, my Hamlin Pipers fell to McAllister last weekend, dropping at three and five. They get to go back home, two and a half miles up the road back home to play Concordia this weekend, who's also three and five. So go Pipers. Let's see if we can get a rebound. Seth, do you have, do you have a hot take for us tonight? Um, yeah, I mean, there's... There's been a couple. I do. (laughs) Oh yeah. If you want to take one, I'll I'll hold off on mine. Okay. So we'll we'll we're gonna talk a little bit more about this player on Patreon this week, but we'll get this hot take out here because it's been a long, long time. Our good friend uh, Justin Gamble on Twitter at Gamscout. He was actually our guest. The last guest we had on the last show that we did for the Old Draft Breakdown podcast, that was episode 100, way back in 2017, before our hiatus, before the three-year break that we took. But Gam Scout had a good tweet uh, back in March, this past March of uh, 2021. He said, watching uh, Indiana tape, and it's easy to see that Ty Freifogel is going to be an issue next year. And somebody replied uh, more of a contested catch player and uh, Gam Scout Justin said they had him run verts a lot but he's capable of so much honestly he's almost exactly like Jamar Chase but he's a lot further ahead so he's beating press and running efficient routes and just ruining people his burst is insane and hands are unreal so I want to be clear to our listeners this is not another Jamar Chase hot take this is a Ty Freifogel hot take um Combined with a Jamar Chase hot take, I guess, because there's no, there's, I'm sorry, Justin, um, 
you know, I, I want to have him back on the show sometime soon because we haven't talked in a long time. You know, we still talk on Twitter, but uh, no, this comp doesn't work for me. Uh, that's a no for me. And man, has he struggled this year? Trifogel, um, yeah. I want to, yeah. I want to save a lot of that for Thursday. But uh, man, Big Ten Receiver of the Year last year, and now he is probably looking at a late, late round pick. I mean, he should have struck while the iron was hot. I think, and uh, I, unfortunately for him, I don't think it was a good decision to come back this year to Indiana. Yeah, I, did. I mean, Indiana in general has been a dumpster fire. We talked about that uh, off the air a little bit. So, uh, anything else before we get out of here? I'll just say I do think Ty Freifogel is a pretty good player. Uh, I just oh, don't I think, think he's, he's nearly on the level of Jamar Chase. No, player. he's a dra- he's definitely a draftable prospect. I mean, there's not, we're not saying that, but yeah, when you start talking about a guy in in uh, Jamar Chase who's putting up. Um, Randy Moss like numbers as a rookie. <laughs> it's yeah, it's a, it's tough. So he dropped a touchdown this week, so that gave the haters something to hold on to for one well, week. For one to, week alone. To be fair, the haters were mostly laughing at the fact that they crapped the bed and lost to to uh, <laughs> New York Jets led by the mighty Mike White. Yeah, I think our our, our good buddy Eric Galco, who runs the Shrine Game now, is the only person who truly believed in Mike White so props to him oh one more thing props to Jordan Reed from the draft network he just got picked up by ESPN he's going to be working with Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay what a fantastic opportunity for Jordan one of the really nice guys in the draft Nick industrial complex industry so uh props to Jordan uh I hope you hear this but if not uh if you know Jordan pass it along we really uh, are proud of him and uh, happy to see him move on to the big leagues. So congrats, Jordan. And that's all I got, Seth. Yeah, that's it from us. Thanks for listening. As always, we'll be back later this week with our Patreon show. $2 a month will get you that episode as well. $4 a month will get you a couple of bonus uh, articles as well a week. Thanks for listening as always, and we'll be back later this week with our Patreon episode. We need to do an outro at some point. That just something kind of what I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's two dollars a month for our bonus episodes. Four dollars a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right a, there. A read. Yeah, that's it. Right there. Sure. Exactly. <laughs>